What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Terror Table, a horror movie podcast that's presented by the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Mitch, and I have two other co-hosts with me, and your guys' names are... Oh, my name's Kyle. And? And I'm, I'm Boozy. We got the whole gang here. We are celebrating 200 episodes today. Uh, Isn't that yeah. wild? It's fucking nuts. Uh, I think we had all agreed that we... Weren't really planning on doing anything special for it, but uh, mm-hmm. we ended up trying to trying to fit something in. We we have we had someone lined up to come on the show, and uh, that person is able to come on the show, but not for a couple of weeks. So uh, we have a really cool guest coming on the show. You'll find out when the time is right, but uh, it, he wasn't able to be here for the two hundred. Uh, but look forward to that today. We are going to so- close up our series on exorcism films. Uh, so last week we talked about Boozy's pick, The Exorcism of Emily Rose, and today we're going to be talking about Kyle's pick, The Last Exorcism. Uh, we also had planned to do a third part, which was going to be my pick, Anything for Jackson, but we've decided to put that one on hold for a little bit because we have a bunch of cool shit coming up for the show. Uh, we already have a couple episodes recorded, so we just don't want to we don't want to hold off or keep pushing off other episodes to make room for a movie that we could touch base on down the road. Uh, but with that being said, you guys are still welcome to check out anything for Jackson and let me know what you think on one of these upcoming episodes, but we are going to bookend this one for now today. So yeah, this is a, it's pretty, pretty crazy though. You guys like 200 episodes, Kyle, I can't believe you've been here for the whole thing. I've been here since episode zero, the alpha, if you will. Um, no, actually, I was just looking. I've been on since episode 143, which is actually a lot longer than I realized. So, yeah, that, plus you were you on know, twice before. True. I was a, I was a two-peter, you know? Yeah. You were Wait, what no. I, I referred to Scott Hamilton as a Terror Table Hall of Famer. Well, I was a three-peter. I did a three-peat and you kept me. You had no choice. Yeah. <laughs> and we kept you? Kept me. You had no choice. And he just stopped, he just stopped leaving after that. We just, we adopted him. Uh it's actually pretty easy to win you guys over. You bring two Cole 45s over, and it's like, okay, we'll, we'll keep <laughs> it's them. So, it's so true. <laughs> that um, was the, the classiest way to initiate. <laughs> yeah, but like we still we still have one hell of an episode planned for you guys today. Oh, and absolutely. We, we are celebrating something else really special. So I want to give a shout-out right now because we are celebrating the, re- the debut release of Kyle Zervinsky's hardcore band River Sleem. Tell us about your band, Hell Kyle. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you guys, you're too much. Uh, well, yeah. So, geez, thanks for bringing this up. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah. So, my band River Sleem, uh, who I've been in for about a year and a half now, I guess. We're putting out our debut EP. Just came out today, February seventeenth, when we're recording this. Um, and you can check it out. It's on Spotify, Bandcamp, Apple Music, all that stuff. Also, if you do pick it up on Bandcamp, it is a uh, buy like pay what you want type thing. And 100% of all the proceeds are going to go to Prairie Harm Reduction. So it's a completely like, even on Spotify, like every, like all 10 cents you make from streaming, whatever we make from this release uh, will be donated eventually. So everything is props to you guys for doing that. That is awesome. Well, as far as I'm concerned, giving it all away is the only punk thing you can really do. So that's the point. True. Um, Yeah. Yeah, Uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah. Yeah, and we're going we're gonna to play one of the songs at the very end of this episode. So stick around for after our, our uh, theme song, our outro, and you can hear one of the songs. Well, Kyle, which song are we going to play? 
well, we're going to listen to track two, Observatory. Uh, yes. And for those who are wondering, I, I'm on vocals, so that might, you know, you can <laughs> get ready. <laughs> yeah, it's it's straight up hardcore music, man. It's the type of hardcore that I love. Like, I say that you guys got, like, definitely a Converge thing going on. Totally. You got some, er- you got some early Slipknot influence in there that I don't know if you guys would like <laughs> hearing that, but it's true. No, I, I think every Slipknot. Yeah, I think every <laughs> hardcore band doesn't realize how much Slipknot had an effect on them. Uh, or had an effect on the other bands you liked so i mean exactly yeah it's but you you have like a more aggressive like deaf heaven type vocal and i love it like man you you sound amazing on that ep i I just i seriously we were talking about this a bit before but i know boozy and i both fuck with it very hard should be very proud your band killed it on that your drummer's insane yeah i think your your whole band your whole band is sick but like yeah that drummer man Kyle, like you, your intro, I, I love, like, track one. You just come in flying. Oh, you, like, you, like, drop kick through a window. I love it. We got to do yeah. the We gotta do the audio commentary. We'll do a we'll recorded audio commentary for each track, and uh, that'll be a bonus. We'll put that up on the... <laughs> at, uh, at this moment, Kyle shit himself. <laughs> we'll put that up on the OnlyFans, you know? Okay. <laughs> Hell yeah. But uh, yeah, until then, like we're we're still we're just gonna talk about horror movies today. But go, where can people follow you guys on Instagram? Are you on Twitter? Uh, we do Talk have a Twitter. Twitter. It's not really active right now, but yeah, you can follow us on Instagram at Riversleam. Uh, you can go to riversleam.com as well, and it'll just take you to like wherever you want to stream it. It's on pretty much everything. Um, SoundCloud, it's it's there as well. Yeah, I guess Instagram's kind of the main thing. We're gonna try to be somewhat active on there, but. Uh, yeah, so we actually recorded the tracks like before the pandemic. So this, and then we've recorded some other stuff since that. I don't know. We'll see what happens with that. But uh, so this will kind of be the only thing for a little while. But hopefully, uh, if things go well and you know the world progresses in some kind of way, we'll we'll get some new stuff going and play some shows maybe in the future. But yeah, that's River Sleem on Instagram, riversleem.com. Uh, but yeah, if you if you feel so inclined, definitely consider uh, picking it up on Bandcamp and. Uh, making a donation to prairie harm reduction uh they're a fantastic organization that uh i think uh is definitely worth donating to and also if you download it on Bandcamp, you get a special limited edition booklet digital booklet that i made and that that's very rare those are uh those that's that's a digital copy that you can't find anywhere else i'm telling you so it's it's just pictures from like grade six that kyle drew of pokemon (laughs) it's um it's pretty close to that um so i won't say anymore (laughs) Right, but, right. Uh, but thank you Surprise. for the plug. Thank you for the plug, boys. I appreciate it. Yeah. So check out the River Slam, a debut release by River Slam. Hell yeah! Congrats, dude. That's awesome. And I think Boozy, you have something to plug. You you did something recently. Oh, Can yeah. we hear about oh, it? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I was uh, on the podcast Inside the Sequel with uh, Chris Hurtado, and yeah. I I love that dude. He was it was a great time on there and. He has a cat named Jonesy, which I'm like, that's I at some point in my life, I'm also going to name a cat that because you just have to like it's alien, right? Yeah, it's yeah. crazy because I sorry, I, I don't mean to cut you off here. But like, yeah, I fucking love Chris. And he's been one of the guys that we're doing fantasy Oscars with as long as with as well with Daniel Epler of Cobwebs. But the more I get to know Chris, the more I realize that he's just actually a conglomerate of both of you guys. <laughs> like, and that, I mean that in the highest praise. Like, he reminds me so much of both of you guys. And I knew it was going to be fun listening to you talk with him, Boozy. And right. that episode was great. Uh, yeah, we talked about Jurassic Park, The Lost World, which uh, I'm always happy to talk about Jurassic Park. 
uh, Jurassic World maybe not as much, but it was it was a really fun time talking about that. And yeah, go check it out. I also want to say that like if if he's a combination of us, he would be like a Megazord of us. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> right. Or Voltron. He's like right. Voltron. All all we need is like a guitar solo at some point to recognize that we're we uh, formed. Yeah. Yeah, he's now a great talking. dude. Um, yeah, and I think we'd uh, let's give a shout out to our sponsors this week. So, who's our sponsor today, boys? I don't know which one of you guys wants to take it, but take it away. <clears throat> Direct West is a proud partner of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. Is marketing getting in the way of running your business? Direct West has a local expert team right here in Saskatchewan that'll help you with you to build your website exactly how you imagine it. Let them help you improve your online presence and head to directwest.com to learn more. Hell yeah. Thank you, Direct West. Oh, and thank Are you, guys... Kyle, for that. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Kyle. You guys want to talk say? about... I'm Direct. And you're Westside. Actually, that is very true. All right, you guys, let's talk about some horror movies. So uh, what have you guys been up to? Who wants to go first? I think we should start with Kyle. Okay, so I have a bit of an of an, an unorthodox pick. Probably right off the bat, you're going to say, Kyle, this isn't a horror movie. What are you doing? And I'm going to say, you know what, Mitch? We need to free Britney. We do I, need to free Britney. So you watched it? I watched it. I still haven't and watched it. How was it? Tell, tell our listeners what it is, because I'm sure there are still some people out there who don't know about this. Sure. And honestly, that's kind of the whole point of the doc is like, it's a pretty unfortunate situation that not a it's, lot of people it's know a about. bit of an enigma honestly true so okay so full disclosure this isn't strictly a, a horror film but i would put it almost in the true crime genre i'm not even gonna lie so i'm gonna go with that um this is a documentary by samantha stark it's called framing britney spears and this is something that i had briefly heard about like earlier in 2020 but it's been going on for like over a decade and essentially it's to do with britney spears's conservatorship which i mean i'm not an encyclopedia to tell you what that is exactly in depth right here but more or less more or less it's saying that due to this conservatorship that is put in place on britney spears the real human person her father like controls all of her finances and her business decisions. Yeah. Um, and this all kind of arose from her having a lot of, um, you know, stress and like mental um, strains in her life coming from, you know, kind of a downfall that people saw very publicly in the mid to late 2000s. And unfortunately, uh, it wasn't treated in the best way possible. Like, kind no. of everybody was dunking on her. It's still, oh. they're still doing oh. it, man. It's pretty sad. Totally. But it was, that's... but it was also easy to do it back in the day. Cause, like, you know, when, when a celebrity shaves their head, it's, it's funny to kids. Right. Oh, without a doubt. Like, I think, unfortunately, that's the biggest thing you take away from this doc is like, you realize, like, holy shit, we were pretty much all assholes, like, to some yeah. extent. Yeah. Some more than others, I guess. But, yeah. um, anyway, so the documentary does a really good job of kind of like, yeah, I guess telling like the origin story of Britney Spears. I mean, everybody kind of knows that to an extent. Maybe not in 2021. I don't know. Maybe not. That's um, my first concert. <laughs> right. <laughs> Remember you saying that. Um, yeah. Which was, album was this around? It, baby. It was Baby One More Time era. But the, well, this is like classic. I you, was, you see, I think, seven years old. You see stuff from that era too, which is pretty crazy. Oh, you see her yes. like just like hustling in malls, like getting like a small fan base. But anyways, it gets real, really, like really fucking dark, honestly, as the film progresses, because she's like this person that was, I mean, we've seen it with countless other, you know, um, famous people. Amanda Bynes. Yeah, Amanda Bynes. Like lots of, 
I don't know. Yeah, I guess a lot of like child stars who grow up in the spotlight, like their lives are, you know, manipulated in a really, really terrifying way. And that like that is bad in itself. But then this whole fact that like her father, who she did not agree to, she specifically said, if you're going to put this conservatorship on me, I don't want it to be my father because they weren't close. That happens. And her life has been like pretty. I don't know. I don't know the best way to describe it. It's been it's been controlled. It's been controlled and it's been pretty like um, unfortunate to kind of see like someone so like theoretically powerful and in the spotlight have no control. It's, yeah. It's, yeah, it's really it's really sad, actually, to be completely so, honest. So so question for you, though, like so I, I know uh, like about the story, like how her dad's controlling all of her finances and everything did. So did that start after she had her public breakdown? Yes. So like okay. after after the breakdown. Or after, you know, like, because that all also kind of came out from the fact that she lost custody of her children. A lot of people tend to forget that. Like, I didn't it, even know that. It, it, was, it wasn't that, like, she was, I mean, she was dealing with a lot of different things. I mean, I can't speak for Britney Spears, but, like, you know, like, the fact that uh, that all went down was, it was a result of a lot of heavy shit going on in her life, you know? And, yeah. again, it's one of those things, like, when you're watching this, you're like, holy fuck, like, everyone was so fucking mean to her for no reason, like... Chris Crocker said it best: "Leave Britney alone." Like mm-hmm. that, yeah. that's that's the uh, he was right all along. He was literally right this whole time. So, anyway, and and the fucking crazy thing about this conservatorship. Sorry, I won't spend too long on this, but the conservatorship is meant for like elderly people who are like unable to function for the most part. Yeah. You know, because they whether it's like a disability or, you know, maybe they're losing some of their like a. Uh, you know, just ability to do, to do everyday tasks or like finances, things like that. That's what this kind of thing is for. And they label her a high functioning conservator. But it's like, what does that even mean? <laughs> like, yeah. anyway, so it's it's obviously if, pretty. Um, if anything, she's a pop hit machine. Yeah. <laughs> it, and I think it also reveals a lot of like just general like sexism and misogyny in Hollywood because there's fucking no way this would happen to like Justin Timberlake. Okay, so. Yeah, thank you for using that example because that's I I see people throwing some shade at him after this, uh, <laughs> rightfully so. Like that's what yeah. fucking blew my mind, Mitch. Everybody knows the famous uh, what was Crime Your River music video where he has like the Britney Spears double and he's mm-hmm. like haunt- and like haunting her and and the whole like narrative behind that is the fact that like oh Britney Spears cheated on Justin Timberlake and like that just wasn't true and she like didn't want him to like go about speaking. You know, yapping his mouth or whatever about this and that. And she he knew that she was struggling with things in her life. Like she was not, you know, doing well. And then he goes and makes that video. And apparently that just made everything worse for her. Yeah, I can and only he, imagine. And he did that. He did that willingly and knowingly. And he's now currently like being dragged on Twitter and has a publicly apologized because he was he just came out and said, yeah, I, sh- I knew I shouldn't have done that. And I just took advantage of the situation. Pretty I like I, I got to say, like, I'm not defending him at all, but I did. I did appreciate his apology at least as opposed to a lot of these people who are you know having having criticisms thrown their way and they they're giving basically non-apologies like i don't know enough about it yet to really talk about it i guess but uh yeah things like that are always tough you know i I feel like when it comes to a public apology you always kind of got to give it some time before you really give it too much praise because it's clearly just reactionary like he has to say something now the chances of a guy like Justin Timberlake actually being the one to write his apology is pretty slim. Pretty unlikely. He, although I will also give him credit, he did take the time to apologize to Janet Jackson at, yeah. the, same, at the same time, which uh, he should have done, but I, I think a lot of other people probably wouldn't have. So, yeah, yeah fair enough. Anyway, 
framing Britney Spears was a lot more terrifying than I thought it was going to be. Uh, I would actually recommend this doc. It's it's pretty interesting, and it's just crazy to think that this has happened to someone who is just like insanely high profile. If we have any like younger listeners, which I don't think we really do, but just to put into context, like Britney Spears was like fucking like what would you Bieber. compare her to? Like Bieber, like, yeah. Like, even she bigger, could maybe, probably like, even be comparable to the Kardashians back in the day, just for like you sure. know almost nothing. Almost nothing's comparable to to that like family, a, but like a Billie Eilish, I guess. Like if you think of like the biggest star right now possible, I don't know. I don't know what you would say, but that was Britney Spears. She was like yeah. the fucking most famous I just, person. I just want to say we do have younger fans. Uh, we have Georgia. <laughs> okay. Yes, we got right. Jeff's Jeff's daughter. My bad. Um, Sorry, Georgia. I hope you know. Well, Britney I mean, Spears. I feel like she's not. She's a like neutral opinion on listening to it so yeah okay well you know what i'm saying nonetheless anyways one of my buddies actually texted me after he watched it and he's like it's straight up a horror movie <laughs> like he said he had trouble sleeping yeah. after watching it i felt really i felt terrible actually so yeah <laughs> hell yeah, yeah that's anyways. good horror <laughs> anyways uh yeah check out yeah framing britney spears that's what it's called yeah all right cool boozy do you want to knock one off I definitely do. I got a lot to talk about this week, so I hope that it's cool with you guys. <laughs> All right, so first off, I'm going to say that I've continued to watch Jurassic Park Camp Cretaceous. New episodes are actually continuously coming out for season God, two. I forgot so you been, on this. It's been so fun to watch. Um, there are times where I feel like it really takes me out of it because it is so much a kid's show. But then they have so many scenes that, that are just so reminiscent of a very classic Jurassic Park in terms of tone that, that really keep me interested in it. I think there are some definite like horror elements. And I, and I think this is definitely one of the things that, uh, you know, for the younger kids coming up that probably will shape them in a way that like early <laughs> stuff shaped us, you know, having those small elements of horror within that. It's, it's funny, like when you brought this up, a couple weeks ago, I was pretty like surprised that this was like your pick to some mm. extent. Not 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 surprised in the sense that it was Jurassic Park related. That is not surprising in any amount at all. Right, but, right. Like an animated show from Netflix. But like since you've brought this up, I've like seen it pop up on quite a few things, <laughs> and like and not even that, but like other Netflix animated stuff. There's like a huge like community for people who are like basically fuck like Cartoon Network or fuck Nickelodeon like Netflix totally. animated is the shit which I mean I'm not super familiar with that stuff at all uh, but I still think like cartoons are cool I mean right uh, I'm wearing a Pokemon shirt as we speak what can I say um <laughs> totally but, anyway so I'm happy to know that this wasn't just like a weekend thing for you either where you were like hey shit show's pretty cool and that it's actually like connecting with you that that's pretty cool that's pretty sweet yeah, you know, and I think the best part of it is just how much it pays attention to detail in terms of canon, because it is considered canon to the show. So mm. a lot of it at the very start actually happens during Jurassic World, like the first one. They actually huh. do have scenes with like the Indominus Rex, which is super fun. And they incorporate some scenes directly and it shows the kids kind of interacting with it within a scene. And, and I think gonna, that's, like, that's a lot of fun. I'm going to have to watch Jurassic World. I still haven't seen it. <laughs> Yeah, and I just want to say, like, if anyone out there is listening and they're, they're really into Camp Cretaceous, uh, you can check out our buddies' podcast, Let's Talk About Stuff. They did a full episode on it recently with um, our other friend's podcast, David Hopkins of Erie International. But they just, I listened to the whole thing and I didn't watch any of the, the show. 
Uh, but I, I do want to get around to it. But I was like, I guess more so curious as to how adults would respond to a show like that. Right. And they're pretty much, it sounds like they're pretty close to the same as you, Boozy. So it yeah. seems like it's kind of one of those shows that's good for all ages. Especially I mean, if I, you're a fan of dinosaurs and Jurassic Park. which Yeah, and I think it, it understands that uh, a lot of the market it's targeting right now are the, the people who grew up with Jurassic Park and do have kids now. Right. So they're they're incorporating a couple of those elements. So, you know... There's something for every. You're right. You know, there is something for everyone within that. Yeah. If any listeners out there have good like suggestions for animated stuff, you should let us know because I'm always kind of curious. I feel like I'm always missing out on stuff like that. Cool. Uh, yeah, I am gonna knock off two right now because the first one I'm just gonna briefly speak about. But I just want to say I believe it was our la- yeah it was our, our Exorcism of Emily Rose episode where I told you guys that I finished reading Don Coscarelli's book. Mm-hmm. Was it that episode or was that with Mitch? I can't remember when I talked about that. Either way, I listen or I I, yeah, I listened to True Indie, can't remember. The, uh, the book by Don Coscarelli. You know, you talked about it on the last yeah. time, on the Emily Rose episode. Yeah, loved that book so so much. I love that man. Uh, I found it incredibly inspirational, and it mm-hmm. you know helped helped me with a lot of things. Put put a lot of things into perspective for me as like a young film nerd and someone who wants to eventually, you know, be in that business. And uh, so I decided to give him an email. I found his email online and he responded to me and he gave me like one of the, it was one of the nicest messages. I'm not going to read it on air, but I'm just saying like Don is the real, the real deal. Like he is just an incredible man and he's had such an amazing career and he's still taking the time out to message fans back. And uh, he gave me some more advice after I talked to him and it was, it was awesome. So I just want to say like, if you uh, if you really connect with something that a filmmaker has done, like try try and reach out to them if you if you want because I think they like hearing it and uh, it's nice to it's nice to know that there's some really good people out there working in this industry. Obviously, yeah, shadow Don for sure. Yes, yeah, so yeah, so that was awesome. But now to go on a completely other fucking route here, I've been waiting to talk about this for oh, weeks. I saw oh. this three oh god, I saw this movie three weeks ago. I'm kind of nervous. And, I am here to talk about Run, Hide, Fight. <laughs> right. Okay, right. You so... mentioned this in the chat that you were you were yeah. revved up for this. See, that's the thing is I was, but three weeks have passed. But I think I can probably get there again if I just start talking about it. Um, but yeah, so this is a new, it's a new action horror thriller movie that's set around a school shooting. Yeah. Right. I, like, and that's the thing. Okay, so I'm... I'm one of those guys who doesn't believe in censorship. Like, uh, I think uh, to an extent, you know, like if something's going to be downright hateful and cruel, then there should be some kind of censorship on that. But I think people should be able to tell the stories that they want to tell and people can decide if they're they're going to watch it or not. I I use the example on an episode that I recorded um, with uh, what's the oh, my God, I'm drawing a blank on it. Elephant? Yes. Uh, no. Well, that that wasn't. Oh no. It was like if movies like American Sniper can exist, then mm-hmm. why can't oh. shit like oh. this? Like it's oh, yeah. it, they're I just mean... as dangerous. It's just as bad to me. Like I think it's in in just as poor taste to make a movie that's so inaccurate. Um, you know, like I, it, I just it's I, odd justification. I totally yeah. get it. And people and it, really poured over American Sniper when it came out as well. Yeah, it won Oscars oh, like, for no for uh, no reason. But, Except yeah, for the then, weird CGI baby, that thing was funny. No, dude, it was a plastic baby. Like that was like a oh, store, right, store bought Walmart baby, and you could see <laughs> it. And it's so Huge. funny. 
Yeah, fuck that movie. But you actually mentioned you mentioned another one, Kyle. That uh, Elephant, Gus Van Sant's Elephant. A, I, I really, film. really enjoy that movie. Well, I, I like, I, I appreciate it. It's not yeah. you can't. It's hard to well, enjoy a school shooting that, movie. That's just the first one that came to mind because yeah, it's similar subject matter. Yeah. So this one though, it's directed, written, and directed by Kyle Rankin. And uh, the synopsis of it is 17-year-old Zoe Hall uses her wits, survival skills, and compassion to fight for her life and those and those of her fellow classmates against a group of live streaming school shooters. Oh god. Yeah. So it's being compared to like die hard in a school, and that's pretty accurate. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's, what? A, that's like, in a terms weird... of premise or quality. <laughs> no, premise. I, at least I uh, yeah. That that seems that seems so odd to like to shift that idea that just Bruce Willis running around to school shooting everybody. No, but it's like you know how the the terrorists break into the building and the mm-hmm. whatever plaza, and oh, he's like okay. hiding around and he's saving everyone by being a badass because that's essentially what this this teenage girl's doing in the film, who's played by Isabel May, and I just want to say that she's actually really good. I think that the acting across the board in this movie is pretty solid. Uh, it does also feature Thomas Jane. So the dude has just been making some decisions that I just don't get lately. And another character is, I think it's Rada Mitchell, who she's in Silent Hill, Pitch Black, Man on Fire. She's in Rogue. She's the main, the main oh, actor. Oh, okay, yeah. I actually, I really liked her in Rogue. Yeah, no, she's really good. But like tr- Treat Williams, like the, guy, the dude from uh, Deep Rising and The Substitute, he, he's in this thing. And yeah, man. How's he looking these days? Old. <laughs> still still looks the same, but just a little white. But yeah, like, I don't know. I think my problems with this movie aren't even in the moral sense. It's just, in my opinion, they make... What what could possibly make this movie seem dangerous, to, to quote on Kyle, is that... I'm sorry. Uh, but it's that they make it look so can take easy the heat. for someone to take over a school and like kids to take over a school. So like there's a lot of logistical issues, but the movie is like I, I figured I was like, as long as it's not Republican as fuck, I'll be OK with this. But the more it went on, I realized I'm like, oh, man, this is a pro gun movie. It's like, how are we going to take out the people with guns if we don't have guns? And there's the one of the most... joint, isn't it? Dude, that's what I was getting at. So I did not know. I did not know until after I watched the movie that it was produced by Ben Shapiro, the man who's never made his wife come. I could not <laughs> fucking believe that. I like that that's what he's known for. Yeah. Well, now, now he's also known for uh, casting Gina Carano in his new movie. Yeah. They're, they're teaming up for a movie. Right. Oh the incel universe. It's coming. Yeah. Um, uh, I, don't, I don't know. Like, to be honest, when I, I think we even like shared this trailer in the chat. And we were all kind of like, Ooh, I don't know, like, interesting. This can kind of go, like, one of two ways. Uh, and watching the trailer, I wasn't even that put off. I was like, honestly, it, 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 like, I'll give it the benefit of the doubt. Like, it, it could maybe do something interesting. Like, I mean, I think it's absolutely sensitive subject matter that you need to kind of, I don't know, navigate through with, like, care, right? But saying that, I still think you can make something that is, like, challenging or you know shocking and still be like i guess respectful some might disagree with me on that but i still think it's possible like i don't think that's impossible um however like you know like from what you're describing your bitch i don't doesn't feel like that's the case so i don't know if i'll be peeping this one to be honest no it's uh i know people who have really liked it and then i know people who have really hated it and i'm i land probably closer to the dislike 
Uh, but I did get I, like the problem is that actually I don't want to sound like a baby here, especially on a horror movie podcast. But the movie actually made me feel sick. Like after a little while, I was just like, I I don't want to see this. Like it, and it just seems so weird because it it's an action movie, but in a school and. Like with school shooters, that's a pretty touchy subject right now. And like, you know, it always Definitely. has been. And it's it's just one of those things. I'm like, you got to really you got to have a reason to do a film like this. And I think Gus Van yeah. Sant did, pulled it off really well with Elephant. I think uh, Denis Villeneuve's Polytechnique, that that oh, also yeah, pulled yeah. it off very well. Um, well see, but the, this, the thing with like, those uh, is like something about Kevin, which I recently yes, watched. Yeah, absolutely. There's like maybe not with all those picks, but there's always like a level of what's the word? I'm not, like realism or like seriousness with what they're trying to depict, like the the serious nature of it is kind of what always makes every, the perspective of those films really like easy to like grasp around. Whereas something like this is a bit more, oh, we're having a little, we're having fun with it. It's yeah, like exactly okay, what understand they're doing, man. <laughs> yeah, like I, I don't know if you should really be having fun with a topic like this again, though. Like I see what you're saying, Mitch. Like. I'm not trying to like say like that shouldn't exist, but like if you're gonna do that, you gotta do it right because yeah, you're gonna you're gonna I, get this otherwise. <laughs> I was gonna ask overall, like I, I just like hypothetically, if they were to take what goes on in this movie and move it somewhere maybe less uh, uh, offensive, like let's say like they move this idea to like a mall or, or I knew something. you were gonna say that, but dude, there's been active shooters at malls and shit. Like even that's tough. But I think just not having it be strictly teenagers could no, that's maybe. What, that's what I mean. Yeah. Is like like I'm not I'm not advocating for this yeah. movie or that at all. It's just like was it when you when you look at the actual movie itself, was it did it have anything worthwhile in it? Like what did it, I'm gonna did be, it make I'm, any sort of point across? No, I, I think that the point that the, it has a very muddy point, and it's one of that it's one of those bullshit points about if you bully someone, they're going to retaliate. And if you know anything about the bowling for Columbine, or sorry, the Columbine shootings or anything like that, that they don't cover in bowling for Columbine, like bullying had nothing to do with it. Like these people are just insane. And what you get is you basically get like the lead shooter in this this movie. He he clearly just idolized Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight, which is also like his man, his mannerisms are very similar. And it was that was kind of bothering me. And uh, yeah, I don't know. This sounds sounds terrible. This sounds awful. I think Boozy would really like it. (laughs) Well, I I, I don't know. I think theoretically, like if if you knew it wasn't a Ben Shapiro movie and if, say, it was set somewhere else, I think you would be like, hey, this is it's it's a survival horror movie. Right. And and that's the part I wanted to get at is like, was it a good did it have some good things within it? It's just, yeah, like I don't like the idea of watching this about a school situation. Yeah. No, it definitely it it has some intense moments. Like it's it's a it's an effective movie for the most part. It's just it's it's one of those ones that I don't know. It just to give you guys an example, like there there's one super moody shot that includes a silhouette of a big truck, of a deer carcass, and Tom Jane as he listens on the news that there are active shooters at his daughter's high school. And it's like just a silhouette shot and he's listening, and then you watch him go and grab his sniper. Because he's going to take matters into his own hands. America. <laughs> so you've been stumbling like into Tom Jane movies. Like I know you're yeah. not seeking these out. Like he just happens to be there. I legit like Tom Jane. That's the problem. But like it's, I do it's, too. He's, he's in some weird shit though. Yeah. I know. It's in, become harder really... and harder to defend him. 
He has an interesting filmography, and I can really appreciate that. I'll, I'll put it that way. But I don't know, man. This is like I think we can all agree though that like this is like I don't know. We're we're fans of horror films. Like we're into stuff that like you know, or we're into films that takes challenging subjects and makes something yeah. interesting out of it. Right, so I think absolutely. we look at something like this, and it's like okay, like there's a kernel of an idea here, like and we're like at least me and boozy i like listening to you talk about it, like okay like how can we pitch this differently how can we make exactly. this something else um Dude, and i think but... i think that's like i think most people probably would feel that way to an extent but i think this just seems like a fucking this just seems i like just i just want to say there, there's it's a icky. difference there is a difference like we we've enjoyed movies that have contained graphic things with you know maybe children involved you look at something like house of the jack built right yeah it's, it's just more or less the idea that we're good not example we're not turning it into like a party out of it right yeah that it's a very exactly. serious scene you, that's exactly it be, man you gotta it, it, there's a difference between like glorification and exploiting the subjects right yeah. like they're 1000 percent exploitive and like yeah. that's like yeah. you got dude tom jane is like because you know obviously when a school shooting is going on they have the whole area blocked off and right. he's got to find a way to get in there like he's he's crawling under like uh art like uh swat vehicles and he's hanging from the bottom of the swat vehicle dude like, if if you if you walked into that zone with a rifle trying to get in like they would shoot you probably because they oh, think yeah. you were the fucking <laughs> Oh, I don't God. know, man. I'm I'm not gonna watch this. I'm gonna throw it in with the better watch outs of the world, I guess. Yeah, I'm not I'm not gonna <laughs> this check is, this out. I'm gonna this be honest. Better watch out is a billion times better than this. But yeah, no, I, I needed to talk about but like you said, Kyle, like it is one of those things that I saw when I saw the trailer, I was like, that's a fucking ballsy movie to be making a movie like this. Mm -hmm. And I was like, how are they like I just was curious about how they're gonna handle it. So I watched it the first day I was able to. It was actually, I think it was the Daily Wire. They they had a live stream because obviously this movie's not gonna be put in theaters. But yeah, it, I, if I would have known about the Shapiro thing beforehand, I likely wouldn't have even given it a chance. Well, but, it, uh, it wasn't it wasn't in the trailer, and I think there's a reason for no. that. Let's be honest. Oh yeah. If I'm going to be entirely fair, it is an effective movie. If if they were going for if that filmmaker wanted to disgust me and just make me feel sick and uh then I guess mission accomplished, but the thing mm. is it also it there just wasn't enough of a point for it to exist. Like I right. just I don't there's no dialogue there where it's like what if we're going to tackle situations like this, like the house that Jack built, let's have a conversation about it. Let's open up some fucking, let's open up our minds to something, but there's nothing really to say here other than kids. If you get a gun, you might be able to fucking take all these guys. Right. And I just don't fuck with that message. And and I, yeah. I think the important part is also to say like, I don't, I don't think we are super PG. I think we say a lot of dumb shit and we, you know what I mean? We go about our business and yeah. we have fun here, right? And and I don't think it it is, you know, too weird for us to say like, you know, I don't I don't want to watch a movie about kids getting shot. That's just I'm not that's not my kind of horror. Unless it's House the Jack <sighs> yeah. Belt. Exactly, but which is yeah. within a smaller dose. And, it's different. And I didn't know it's that different. was going to happen going in. Obviously. Yeah. The the like as much as that is a good example, you can't even compare the two because one is actually like thought provoking and well planned out. And then the other is just it's half haphazardly thrown together to uh, to shock people, and that's exactly what it's going to do if it ever finds the audience. Luckily, there's people podcasts like us out there saying 
maybe don't watch this. <laughs> right. So hopefully and, we don't get any more Ben Shapiro joints. And, and I don't think, and I think there's a huge difference between something like, you know, 80s slashers where they were kind of hokey about it versus, you know, something now where, yeah, it, it seems more serious. I totally yeah. Look at the faculty, like even something like that. Sure. Yeah, not only that, look at, like, well, Idle Hands was pushed back because of Columbine, because of, uh, they just didn't want to see teen-on-teen violence, like, right. and which is understandable, but also, that's, like, that makes up a large portion of this genre, right. is teen-on-teen violence, and, uh, but at least, I don't know, at least they're not doing this, <laughs> like, at no, least the faculty's probably. not doing this, I know what you did last summer is not fucking putting a kid in a school I... with a gun. I think I'd rather, yeah, like, you can watch something like Valentine, and I think that, like, the kid-on-kid violence is a little more in a, in a you know, not-so-serious glorification. Yeah, and plus, with Valentine, it helps that they cast all 40-year-olds to play the high school students. Totally, totally. <laughs> Whereas, like, in uh, Run, Hide, Fight, like, they're, it's, man, it's, I don't know, it's, it made me, yeah, it just made me feel icky. Let's not spend any more time on this. Do you guys yeah, got anything um, else you want to talk about? I, I got, got one last thing, I got one thing to add, um, just uh, some uh, month-old news. Uh, the cast has been announced for the I Know What You Did Last Summer series remake. So let's all look out for that. Wow. I didn't even know that was happening. We'll stay we'll stay posted on that because um I'm ready. Yeah, I'm ready to know what everyone did last summer. Okay, <laughs> I wanna I wanna <laughs> I wanna ask you guys, do you find it interesting that all these former big movies or, or middle tier movies are getting like TV series? Like could yeah. you ever imagine a couple years ago I know what you did last summer getting a TV show? Even with Scream well, coming out, I couldn't. I still couldn't imagine. I know what you did last summer. I think I'm. I think we're so deep into it now, Boozy, that I, I, I guess I can see it. Like to me, this is just like Riverdale. You know, like right, Riverdale's. Yeah. I know what you but, did. It's the same idea. But yeah, I know. Like you have like things like Child's Play coming out, and there's all the you know, like you have so much with the Alien verse going on. It's just it's very interesting that I, I'm sure I'm missing a shitload. But there's so many of these former movies getting TV shows now and like well, expanding that, on the lore. Well, you have the the stand. Like I, I still haven't watched any of the new TV series because totally. I have not not heard great things. But that's a remake of another TV series. So yeah, you can uh, look at like yeah. the Exorcist TV series, like which was which very was good, su- very good. Well, I think I, TV I, is just hot right now. Like TV's so hot, they people TV, want series so hot, to, like so hot right now. <laughs> Shout out Zoolander. So yeah, uh, <laughs> Zoolander I know, you, I know what you did last summer, Boozy. Do you got anything else? I know you oh. and I saw two of the same things. Dude, I got I got save so those much. for last. I'm, I'm very excited. So first, I'm going to talk about a movie from 2021. So this is fresh. I'm I'm kind oh. of scoping out how 2021 is going, and this is not on Tubi. Just in case anyone's wondering, I okay. I have no Tubi movies on this week. It's weird. A, it's a weird weird week for me. Jeez. Uh, so Maybe that's is... why I feel so good. Maybe that's why I'm just like, I got a nice <laughs> kick in so my I step. So ch- I checked out Hunted from 2021. Oh, yeah. yes. Which and... I spoke about last episode. Yeah, and, and it's because you had spoken about it that I, I actually wrote down a bunch of movies that you had mentioned, and I've kind of been slowly going through them. And I think Hunted is a very... It, it has a very basic concept and puts in a lot of I won't say that I really enjoyed this film. I think it's very competent in what it does. It's a little odd with its building of characters. Like, I, I don't know. I, I think, like, what did you feel like, Mitch? Like, how do you feel about what I'm saying? Like, Well, I, I totally understand. I really liked Hunted, but I think right. I know what you mean by, like, the, the villains are very gross. 
and uh, it's, they're very they, odd. I feel like yeah. they could have built up a little bit more because they go through a lot together, and then it kind of all goes to shit. Yeah, and see, in my mind, I thought that that was the best part of the movie is their relationship and like how unpredictable one of those guys is, and right. like the uh, the gore was gnarly. Uh, it, it really like, it's was. Yeah, and it's not a perfect movie. There's some really silly... I think another thing is that, uh, which I didn't really talk about last week, but the kills and the extremity of things are a little all over the place, and it gets a mm-hmm. little silly at times, whereas other moments are very realistic and grounded, but then it turns into almost like a effects gag movie at times. Right. But I still I still really liked it. I just thought it was intense. I, I think maybe the problem for me is uh, we spend a lot of time. This isn't really a spoiler. We spend a lot of time with the killers in their perspective. And it, it's kind of it, it made it harder for me connecting to the main character when it came to her being hunted, because a lot of times I didn't know where she was. And there are other characters that are introduced that are so off putting, I guess, in a weird way. Yeah. I don't know. Just something about this movie rubbed me the wrong way, and I, I think a lot of people will really enjoy it. And I'm not saying it's it's uh, made poorly in any way. Yeah, just it didn't hit for me the same. In my experience over the last couple of weeks of seeing people like get around to watching it, because like you said, it just came out this year on Shutter. I seem to be the one who might have liked it a little more than most people, and uh, so you know your your criticisms are entirely fair. And I know we're talking about another movie today that's very similar. And, and that's, I think you that's like something that I more. forgot to bring up is there's another movie that did this last last year, I believe, right? And yeah, it came out last year, but we just got it in Canada on Netflix in, uh, I believe, end of January we got it. Yeah, it's very exciting. Do you want to talk about that one? Let's do it together, boy. All right, so Mitch, you go for it. I just talked a bunch, so hit it. Uh, yeah, so we checked out Alone, which is a movie that came out last year. I saw it on a bunch of top tens last year, actually. So I've been looking forward to seeing it. Just finally came up on Netflix, on Netflix in Canada. So this is very, very similar to uh, to Hunted, but it deals with the topics that you were discussing about, Boozy, a little bit differently. And I think that's why this one's maybe a little bit of a stronger movie. I think it's, yeah, totally. I. I think it definitely it spends more time with our lead character. And I think you you become to like her quite a bit more and and want her to prevail in all situations. I, I Mitch, do you feel the same way about like? Yeah, no. And I, I thought this one like it, it's one of those ones where I honestly I feel pretty much I feel hunted and alone. They're so similar, but I pretty much like them both the exact same. I would say uh, I might be more inclined to say the alone is a better movie. But yeah, it's it's uh, it mixes in the serial killer element in a really clever, a, a little bit more of a clever way than than alone does or than right. uh, the other one. But I, I had an epiphany because I had epiphany after watching these movies because I've just realized that I've always loved survival horror movies. And I think oh, you totally. have too, Boozy. And I think that it stems back to the first book that I ever that ever got me reading. And I want to know if you guys have read it because it was it, a lot of kids read it in school, but it's honestly the first book I ever got through in full, and I became obsessed with reading after that. And that is Gary Paulson's Hatchet. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Do you I remember think that I movie? Know that one. Okay, yeah, yeah. it's a kid a kid who survives a, a plane crash and he ends up in the wilderness, and all he has is his dad's oh, hatchet. Oh my god! Yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. You just you just broke blast my brain. from the past. Yeah, oh, blast from the past. My goodness, that was a very breaking my brain. I have a vivid memory of like my 
grade six teacher starting that unit and then bust bringing a hatchet to class to like show the hatchet is that the one where he lives in a tree and shit yep yeah oh man i've been thinking about this forever and it's weird that you mention it i remember in 2007 when i was working i was working at roger's video at the time and we had gotten in a, a new movie called hatchet and I was like, whoa, they made a movie about Gary Paulson's hatchet? Right. And it turned <laughs> out to be Adam Green's hatchet. And I, I enjoyed that movie as well. But I was like, fuck, I really hope one day they make an actual hatchet movie. Because I loved that book so much. But Honestly, yeah, they should because there's a whole series of those books, actually. Oh, man, yeah. Gary, well. pa- Gary Paulson was just like, I, I'm not sure if it was a, you, it had to have been a U.S. thing as well. But I just remember everyone. Loved he's his from, shit. He's but... from Minnesota. He's from Minnesota. So, oh, you know. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Good Minnesota boy. I just kind of mm-hmm. want to say that I, I reminded uh, quite a bit that there seemed to be an inspiration almost from like like Robert Hansen. If you guys know anything about that, he was in, in Anchorage. He would like fly out women into the middle of nowhere and kind of like hunt them. That felt like a lot of this movie. And, and I did. I... I've never heard of that, but that sounds awesome. Wait, that was a real thing? Sorry, yes. sorry, that, I guess there's that a, wasn't awesome. Um, there's actually a Nicolas Cage movie about it. Uh, Primal? The, what? Might be. I can't remember it, off the top of my head. I still haven't seen Primal, but I feel like it might be that one. Because he, he wears like the Mick Taylor hat from Wolf Creek. I like, think so, like yes. That. That's based off of that case. Oh but I, I just want to say that, like, what what I think really helped with Alone is there are two scenes that really stand out for me. And there's a very tense scene uh, involving uh, involving sound. They did a great job of, of this really intense scene in a vehicle. And all it is is based around sound. And I, that's all I want to give. But, like, scenes like that are incredible in, in uh, building tension because you're you're constantly worried about what's going to happen next and how your character is in so much danger. And then I find the end of this movie was was very exciting. It was it was very cool to see your character progress and become a very resourceful, you know, yeah. person defending themselves. It was it was very enjoyable. Okay, so yeah, that's I've read like after I watched on Letterbox, and I was like, because I remember seeing a couple two stars for people who have seen this movie, and I was like, fuck, that movie was awesome. So I was reading Letterbox and like seeing where people were being divided on, and a lot of people seem to not like that ending. But I'm happy to hear you say that because I thought the ending was fucking great. I I, I really I, liked how they they wrapped it up. I I do love that the ending almost has like multiple things within it that that make it so smart. It's not your typical. I don't know, slow motion ending. There, there's some very interesting things that happen on a character level that really set the stakes higher and higher. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, so I definitely recommend Alone. It sounds like Boozy, you're right there with me. Totally, that's that's a great, uh, another great film on Netflix. Sick. Kyle, do you have anything else this week or are you all tapped out? I'm tapped out, that's all I got. All right. You did great. You did great. You did, yeah, you did great, Kyle. Well, thank you. Be Thanks, very parents. proud of yourself. Yeah, sashay away, Kyle. Sashay away. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, I'm gonna knock off. I have I have one last one to talk about, and then I know Boozy and I have another one that we want to quickly mention. But I checked out Queen of Black Magic on Shutter. So this is oh, sorry. I'm just gonna pull up the. Is that like Queen of the Damned sequel? No, <laughs> it is not. <laughs> But uh, the reason, and the the reason I'm looking so much stuff up today too, more than more so than usual, is because like I watched these movies like three weeks ago. Right. Uh, well, it's a uh, it's written by Yoko Anwar, and he's the man who brought us Satan's Slaves, 
which I really enjoyed. And he also is the writer-director of Impedagor, which was on my top 10 last year. Uh, so I was like, anytime I see that dude's name, I am stoked. But it was directed by Kimo Stemboel. Uh, it's an Indonesian horror movie, and the synopsis is, families were terrorized at the orphanage. Someone wants them. Okay, I don't even know. I'm not even going to read that. It's a super long synopsis, but and I can't even really remember what this movie was about, but I do remember that I this movie did nothing for me, and it's usually... Like, I was so, so excited because of Yoko Anwar's name being on it, but it's this is a dinner party horror movie that's just overstuffed with characters like there's too many characters so you mm -hmm. it's hard to like really grasp on any storyline to see it, that you're gonna you know care for anyone if they die because there's so many characters and there's just some really bad cgi but in theory i should love this it's it's a witch cursing a large cast and you just watch them all kind of kill Mitch themselves loves witch movies yeah i do let's and preface with that yeah i love witch <laughs> movies and yeah, like it's just them all killing themselves while realizing they're being cursed by the queen of black magic. Uh, but the, the gore is like really digital and not in an Alien Covenant kind of way, because I actually think that the gore in Alien Covenant looks good. Uh, it but it's yeah, it, it's just it's a bummer because I really enjoy Yoko Anmar's films. Um, but I this just it can't be compared to Satan Slaves or Impedagore in my mind. There's uh, yeah, also like CGI bugs. Never scary. Not scary. Yeah, it, bu bugs are one of those things that you should always be able to pull off a real bug gag if you want to. Right. Uh, like, I don't understand the whole glossy CGI bug shit, but I don't know. By the time the stuff that's entertaining starts happening, I w it was just too late. I was just kind of checked out of it. So I just, it didn't do much for me. It's on Shutter. So if you have the account and you're a big fan of Yoko Anwar, I know I've, I've seen a lot of people really enjoy it. So I might this might just be one of those weird ones that just didn't work for me, but yeah, not not a fan of Queen of Black Magic. Can I just say that like I'm not trying to be a bummer at all. It's it's more just kind of making an observation is uh especially with with like you mentioned horror movies that revolve around like a table setting, like a you know, that dinner like, Yeah, the invitation. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um it feels like there's been a lot of those lately, which I don't I don't think it's I don't think in theory it's a lazy idea. It's just kind of like there's so many out there right now that you got to really be able to bring it if you're going to compete with them. Right, totally. And and I'm not trying to be a dick about like gatekeeping or anything, but like it's it's just that idea of like that well has been hit so many times recently that yeah, like you said is if you do want to do that, like you really have to bring something interesting that way and you know or or else it is going to fall into that category of of there are a ton of them. look at the one with uh it has ricky from trailer park boys is in one uh i can't remember the name of that one. was it would you would you rather was he in that because i something that, about yeah they're, Brittany, and they're all it, kind of that same idea like i'm trying to remember i think oh man i i know which one, i'm pretty sure it's would you rather but yeah that movie was uh not good no and, um, and it's and it's all revolving on that same idea and it can be done yep, well you look at the invitation the but i mean there's just there's a lot of it right now that's the problem though is like you're, you you got to really be able to have a, a fresh <clears throat> hook or something cool to say if you want to be if you want to hang with the invitation like when a movie that good comes out it's it just makes it harder to pull off that kind of 
finish it because it's when it's done so well, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so not not a real big fan of that one. But Boozy, do you have anything else? I know there's one that we both watched. I finished uh, it. I, I have you know. one other one that I'm going to mention okay, here before we get out. to that. So I checked out, uh, this is a 2020 movie, and I'm just going to say straight out that if I had watched it in 2020 before we did our top tens, I probably would have thrown this in there because I really did enjoy it. Uh, and that's Vampires vs. the Bronx. Oh yeah. I'm so happy to see that you liked it, man, because I ripped that movie apart on this show. Like I, I didn't like it at all, but I was happy to uh, maybe I got to give it another look. I don't know. It just it, it hit right for me and I and I I guess that's a bummer that you just, like I don't remember which episode you mentioned that on. It was uh, it would have been like 3 or 4 months ago or something like that. that was it was a while when, ago now. Yeah. Okay. Maybe it won me over with small things that I thought were kind of interesting like there's a scene in there that I, I maybe I'm speaking for the director in a weird way, but I feel like there's a weird homage to like the Velociraptor kitchen scene from Jurassic Park involving kids and a vampire. And it, it's a very interesting scene how it's shot that I, I felt it was very reminiscent. But I think this movie, like it's it's not overly gory. It's not super violent. And the like it's more I of a kid's that, movie. It it's totally it's is. really a young adult. It's a young adult like comedy horror. It definitely feels like if it can find that wider audience, because is it on? Sh- it's on Netflix. Oh, it's on right? Netflix, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, and I think if if more like kids can check that out, not saying that like oh kids should flock to it, but I think this is a good building block movie, and I I don't know, I had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, the kids were enjoyable. I didn't feel like it it felt weird with stereotypes or anything. It was just a bunch of people like you know crowding together. It's it was a lot of fun. I don't know. Yeah. I think Kyle might enjoy it. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. This kind of seems up my alley. Also, anything with Method Man usually kind of gets me excited. So Yeah, I love Method Man. No, and like what I will say about it too is that it like what I like about it, I I just personally felt like I might it might be one of those ones that I just at least the day I watch it, I I felt too old for it. And right. that obviously sounds like a diss to you and I'm not meaning it like that. I just no. I, I probably wasn't in the right mood for it. But what I did like about it is that it at least opens up a good conversation that kids can learn from or like, you know, the, it's the people who that movie's marketed for are young adults and teenagers. And it yeah. teaches you about gentrification. Like it's pretty. And, and there, there also is a, a statement to be made about gang culture in this movie. Yeah. And, and it, I think it does a good job of it. I think my my issue too was that I like it's one of those stupid expectation things that I should have fixed before I went in. It's not the movie's fault that everyone was comparing it to Attack the Block, but right. I was like, and I, can this see, is... I can see why. Well, the, and... yeah, it's kids fighting a monster, but exactly. That's it. And and I think that that if people had that expectation for this movie, because it is, it's a very kid friendly movie. There isn't that gore element to it. it it's. Yeah. It's kind of, you know, it's it's probably more tame than even something like uh, it. Oh, absolutely. It, it's. I think we forget how fucked it is. It like, does have some violence. <laughs> in it. Yeah, it's like, a, it's an it's an R film. It is it is an rated R film. So yeah. I mean, I think it's just because it's so, so CGI that like we don't really right. see it as real violence in a way. Yeah. Cause like I'm with you. Cause like it, it, none of the stuff in it bothered me, but I'm like, that's a violent fucking movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it yeah, also cool. has like, it also has the kids like as yeah. a cent- like, central point of the film and nothing mm-hmm. necessarily like, like they're in danger, but nothing like grotesque happens to the kids. So you kind of just remember it as like a, kids adventure to some extent totally i'm gonna peep game on vampires versus the bronx this looks kind of cool i mean even when mitch brought it up earlier last year it actually kind of piqued my interest but um this seems like a fun watch 
I, I don't know. Yeah. I think the only thing I can say about it is going into it, like vouching for it, is that I had no real expectation and I didn't realize it was going to be as funny as it was. Yeah. There, there's a great scene where, you know, towards the end, a confrontation scene where they just they randomly throw in comedy elements that that I think is is classic timing. You know, you'll see in like an Edgar Wright kind of thing. Yeah. Not saying this is on the same level, but it does have quite a bit of that comedy. Timing. It, it totally does. You can see that they, that they were influenced by Edgar Wright. I can totally understand that. Back in the day, the day where we could go see movies. I would get excited for the movies that I'm going to see and I would give them thought before I go and like you you have that bit of a build up. But when stuff's so easily given to you on Netflix and streaming services these days, it's so easy to have your own mood or personal shit that's going on affect yes. your viewing of a movie. Oh, and totally. I think that that might have happened because I do remember I wasn't in a great place when I watched it. You, you weren't feeling fun for that. Well, no, and it, it was also a movie I didn't like the day before. I wasn't like, I'm going to watch Vampires vs. the Bronx this week. I was just like right. scrolling through Netflix. And I was like, hey, right, this looks good. And I probably, yeah. No, I'm, I'm really happy to hear you enjoyed it, though. Because I know, no, yeah, quite a, definitely a yeah. pleasant surprise. Sweet. Well, let's talk about something that wasn't a pleasant surprise. Oh, dude, I was like, if he doesn't say that, I'm going to butt in to say that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was it was so interesting that we watched this on the same day. Is it going to be somebody letterbox? Well, what happened was I watched the first half hour and then I was like, it was really, really late. So I was like, hey, I'm going to finish this in the morning. And then I woke up and I checked oh. Letterboxd and Boozy had uh, given it a two star rating. And I was like, oh, Boozy doesn't hand ratings that low out like all the time. No. So I was like, so it honestly made me more intrigued to finish it, which I did. I know you even you spoiled some things for me before the movie even ended. Well, you, you're like, Dude, with, stop. with your permission, I didn't just come and throw it out because you were like, yeah. should I continue? I have like 45 minutes left. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. Like, OK, so we're talking about the new 2021 remake, reimagining, visioning, reimagining uh, turning into Texas Chainsaw with this series. Wrong, reboot? wrong yeah. turn. Wrong Turn, the movie and, that and spawned, it, yeah. what, eight fucking sequels? <laughs> yeah, it's not called Wrong Turn 9 or whatever. It's that, I think that's when they do the back to their roots thing, is they just call it the same shit. Look at Halloween. <laughs> what, I, what I'm imagining this is, and I know this might be, this is something that you guys probably can't relate to too much, but they, I, I grew up a fan of the Leprechaun movies. I watched right. all the sequels, even like Leprechaun in the Hood and Back to the Hood. And then when they announced, yeah, I know Kyle's shaking his head here. <laughs> Hey, Ice T is in those movies. Yeah, so that has to be okay then. It's good. <laughs> um, but no, like when Leprechaun, I remember Leprechaun Origins came out and it was like, hey, we're rebooting it and it's going to be like a serious, like gritty Leprechaun movie. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> and that's, and then that movie was like somehow worse than Leprechaun in Space. Like it was, right. it's, I feel like this is almost the exact same thing. I don't think it's like, you know, it's it's not a horribly put together movie. It's just not good either. <laughs> this is I, not a good movie. Oh, dude, I I am so angry with this movie because I actually did I didn't really watch all of the trailer when this came out. I did like the cover art for it. The I poster's that was very, sick. Yeah, and yeah. and I was I was very intrigued with it. And then as the story unravels, because it it starts you off with a bunch of really unlikable characters. I don't know how you felt, Mitch, but they were just let all me, unlikable. Let me cut in here for a second. Okay, so this movie. It offers a near royal flush in the diversity department. So it has like, you know, you got your 
your people of color, your gay guys, and like the like they're, they're covered... yeah, you have every kind of person. I hate when people go like, oh, they went the woke route, but it's like this is a prime example of how poorly it can be handled. You can't just throw every type of person into a movie and tell mm-hmm. me that they're all going to be friends on a road trip going camping in the woods. It's like none of these people feel like they would have been friends. I, do I have an issue with any of these types of people? Not even, no. not even slightly. I was actually, I was intrigued. I was like, oh, that's cool. Let's see where they're going to go with this. And then I realized that it's like they literally just did that to check off a box to make them feel better about themselves. To be like, we have a very diverse cast. But man, yeah, this movie it 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 uh, bothered me as well because it's it's an almost two hours, hour and fifty minutes. The, the audacity of this movie to be this <laughs> fucking long. I'm, I'm and, serious. Yeah, and you know, normally, like, I know also I'm sure there are people who listen to us and are just like, fuck, like, what's their issue with, like, movies that are, lo- like, we're partially joking sometimes, right. but, like, there are times where a movie like this does not need to be two hours. If you're going to give us That's a two-hour movie... It's a crime. It's gotta, it ha- I'm it's looking at this point. fucking image right now of Wrong Turn 2021 directed by Mike P. Nelson, and you're mm. telling me that this is almost two hours long? Yes. There's yes. so many other things I'd and rather be doing. You know Dude, what? I, I, I watched the whole thing. <laughs> I think I think the problem with it in terms of that length is we're not trying to be dicks about the length of it just because we're like, we don't want to sit through that. It's that this movie never figures out what story it wants to tell. And yep. it basically resets like three times. And that, like I talked to Mitch about this. Well, you know, obviously because the not everyone here can see our conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I guess well, I'll just bring up the fact that like, it made you try to care about several characters, but then they were so easily cast away or it, it made no sense. It's super sloppy. They're taking all of these ideas from other recent movies that have been successful, like Midsummer, but having no point to it and no actual end result. It's like it there. And I know that people get angry about me with pointing out plot holes in horror movies. I know I shouldn't do that, but fuck me. This movie is just nothing but plot holes. And it's just stupid from front to the back. Like the yeah. dialogue is absolutely ridiculous and deplorable. Like I just thought it was it was rough, man. And the, like the story itself is so lazy. It's and, so and, lazy and pointless. Well, Everything and that, about it is pointless. I think that's the biggest thing we can take away from that is if there was some sort of conclusion in this film, it would be fine. It literally resets itself at the end. I don't know if that's to set up a sequel or yeah, just for because sure they it is. once again didn't know what the fuck they wanted to do with it. But the story that they tell is so odd. They incorporate so many different types of, like Mitch said, stereotypes. And I think this movie is going to age like milk because you're going to look back at this and say like, why were they trying so hard? You know, like they're pointing yeah. out their their level of catering. And, and the, then I, I admire what they were going for. And their message throughout the film is loud and clear, but it's just, it's concerning that they are likely a ton of dumbasses out there who are like the hillbillies in this movie. Like that's, it's one of those movies that also bludgeons you over the head with its, with its message. It's like, yeah, dude, trust me, we got the point in the bar scene within the first 10 minutes of what you're trying to point out in this movie. Like with the rednecks who come up to them in a bar and go like, you're in the, like, it, oh God. There was, so, yeah, there was just some weird straight up racism to make you not like these characters and it comes back to kind of bite the story in the ass later. Right? That's all Big I want time. to give away. Yeah. Is that it does. It, it really shoots itself in the foot with that. Yeah. Wow. It, yeah. Just and wow. that, 
yeah, I think I think that you know what, maybe there is an audience for this. I think there definitely is if there's been that many sequels, but it, it's just something that. Well, I, dude, I, also let's point out though that this is a reimagining because like the original Wrong Turn, like man, that movie scared the bejesus out of yep, me when it first yep, came out. Very fucking and, scary. Yeah, and even if you watch it now, like it doesn't overly hold up. Like in my opinion, I still I own the DVD and everything. Sorry, yeah, Kyle, I own the DVD. But huh. digital digital video disc. But it's interesting. Um, so you're telling me you own the DVD, um, not the Blu-ray. I'll write it down. Yes. So can Blu-ray I can I bring the, edition, Can I bring box. this up for the next like 45 episodes <laughs> and just kind of see see where that lands over time? You follow your heart. You follow your heart, Kyle. Okay, but no, no like. This like those ones like even I I only saw Wrong Turn one and two because I I watched two because it's directed by a guy like Joe Lynch like he I I enjoy his movies he made Mayhem recently which was really fun but like th- those movies were actually creepy because they're like backwoods hillbilly kind of like uh, inbred yeah mo- that, monsters that, like, that mongoloid kind of deal yeah. that that maybe like you know they're a little bit of a wives tale but you're kind of creeped out about. But that's not this movie. <laughs> Just so you guys no. know. Like it's, I, it, it's oddly political. It's so I'm political to, to the point where it's nauseating, man. Like the, the conversation that they're trying to have, it's like, yeah, f- like who's this movie made for? Like I understand that like those conversations still need to be had right. for a lot of people. But is the wrong turn franchise <laughs> where we're where we're gonna try and address these conversations? I like, don't know. I- and I, I feel like the one maybe thing I can take away that I did kind of enjoy, but also had a gripe with, is some of the uh, kills or scares kind of towards the the middle were, were kind of interesting and, yeah, and creative in a weird way. Yeah, and they had some good special effects, honestly. I was a little impressed by that. Yeah, but it, it looks good. The movie's not ugly to look at. No, but it's just, it became like uh, where I was watching it as kind of a best of the way we talked about like exorcism, <laughs> Emily Rose, where you're like, these are good ideas, but you slap them all together and went like, wouldn't this be cool? Wouldn't this be cool? And then the unfortunate part is I feel like they, they kind of blew their load. So the second half is very lazy. I found it's just stupid. It's like yeah. incredibly dumb. Like it's in, you have like, you have main characters who are like law enforcement who are, who know about that this is going on. It's like, do you guys realize how fucking easy it would be to fix this issue? <laughs> like, <laughs> I think yeah, like it's, it's the best under- kept secret. Yeah. It's like, okay. So if you know about this, uh, fuck it. We, we almost need to do an episode on it to fully talk about it, but I'm, we're not going to do that. It, it's a weird way. It's like, um, uh, devil's rejects or Texas chainsaw, except for the, none of the cops do anything. Yep. It's it's they're even more useless. They actually yeah, tell exactly. you that they're not going to do anything instead yeah. of even pretending like they care. And, and I think the worst part was the ending. I, I think it 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 was illogical. It was it was stupid. And I I don't see how you can continue going forward. I don't know. Like, is there an have... audience for? Maybe there are people who genuinely enjoy this movie. But from what I've seen, a lot of people who even enjoyed the first series kind of poo-pooing on this and I'm not that I want to encourage everyone to do that but I did not no. enjoy this yeah no I didn't either and I, I just I didn't I didn't get the me- well I got the message that they were sending I just thought it was a fucking stupid place to be sending this message yeah. and it was just really sloppy and uh, yeah no I wasn't good that, that was one of those ones uh, Kyle, I know some do not uh, keep game do yeah, yeah, I don't think I... Kyle would honestly I've just been mostly looking at details about Morbius coming out in 2020 <laughs> um, 
hopefully our listeners hopefully our listeners are doing that while boozy and i are talking as well i'm i just i I can't even i can't even try to think about 2021's wrong turn (laughs) have you have you watched are you aware of any of these kyle or are we just speaking like a different language henry rollins is a number two i read the synopsis for the all six of them while you guys were talking apparently number six was a reboot already <laughs> what year was that was it like 2013 like it's 2014 it's 2014 no, nice. and then they, there's they another two sequels sit on it oh my goodness well maybe maybe there's a subsect because apparently there's only six maybe i'm looking at the wrong list so right maybe there's and I, I, so that does mean that there is an audience for that i just i don't know no, that's fine i'm but I'm, I'm i mean i'm reading these and like yeah this doesn't really seem like anything i'm gonna i'm uh there's a zero percent chance you would make it through, Kyle. Yeah, I really don't think that there's anything here it, for you. It's not it's okay. stupid enough to be funny. And oh, it's yeah. not good enough to be scary. It was oh, released by Grassy Cast. It was released by Saban Films. Uh, you know, they put out the Power Rangers film. So interesting, very cool. Still waiting um, for that sequel. Didn't hate that Power Rangers movie. No, honestly, kinda, still waiting for that Kind of fun. Kind of fun. I think we mentioned a Megazord earlier in the show, yeah. so there's there's the connection there, right? I, I feel like that um, movie is going to turn into almost like a Starship Troopers, where no. they just okay. had like... No, no, no. Like in, in the future, it'll be like this kind of weird one-off movie that you're like, that was pretty enjoyable. Why they well, never made more, even though they did make more Starship Troopers. I think you might be giving too much credit to 2015's Power Rangers. But, you are, you you are, it was fun, uh, dude. I enjoyed uh, it. 2017. I, I yeah, I liked it too, but it's one of those like I can just instantly remember what I didn't like about it. And it's like I really liked it. I was like surprised by how much I liked it, and then the last right. half yeah. hour happened, and it's like that's when it turns into an actual Power Rangers movie. Yeah, and it's like also, oh. Uh, also, that was the tail end of the like Brian Krantz Renaissance. There, you know, they were just shoving was. him in. Cranston's everything. not in that, is he? Yeah, plays yeah. Zordon. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Sorry, I was thinking of uh, who's the who plays the 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 main villain from power rangers what's her name oh man what uh, is her is name? Zach, Zach, no oh, zach and Mary no. make a porno uh, uh full throttle uh, charlie's angels i don't know i uh, gotta look up her name oh she's in brightburn how am i i know this I, name oh she's what in brightburn uh, what poop. is her name elizabeth uh, banks. banks there we go uh, yeah there yeah. You go. okay all right well yeah, yeah so, so yeah dumps. shout out to saban that I'm a huge fan of Saban. They've also made Beetleborgs. Don't forget Beetleborgs. <laughs> Hell yeah. Love those good, rip-off shows. Good for forget Beetleborgs. Most people. Do you guys yeah. want to uh, exercise some demons? Woo! I am so ready. Avalam. We'll be right back. Exorcism is alive and well. The Bible is filled with demons. If you believe in God, you have to believe in the devil. We're looking for the sweetser for him. You want to make a U-turn, and then I want you to go back where you came from. Jeez, go, go! Seems like the end of the road. Mr. Sweetser? How you doing? Cotton Marcus. My wife died two years ago. It's quite a shock for now. Were you very close? She was my best friend. Somehow, the devil kind of entered. Now, can you hear me? Yeah. Good. Nothing to be nervous about. What is that? It's coming through my skin. Please help. Get it out of me. Let him come now.
Where is Mel? In the fire. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today, on our main feature segment, we are talking about 2010's The Last Exorcism. Uh, you know, this is kind of our, I guess, our double feature, our back-to-back picks, I guess. Uh, a couple weeks ago, Boozy picked uh, 2005's uh, The Exorcism of Emily Rose, and I chose this one. Uh, five years later, another exorcism take. This one was directed by Daniel Stamm who has lately been directing a bunch of like uh, horror anthologies like Scream, Fear of the Walking Dead, and Into the Dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. and, and I guess somewhat famously, it was produced by Eric Newman and Eli Roth. Eli Roth's name was very prominently right. slapped on the promotion for this film. It was definitely during the era of like presented by Eli Roth type you know, films. This one definitely sticks in, into my mind. Uh, in terms of that. And it's starring uh, Patrick uh, Fabian, Ashley Bell, Iris Barr, Louise Hertham, and Caleb Landry Jones, uh, who has been in a ton of fucking shit. Not to mention Friday, him. Friday Night Lights. Uh, yeah, yeah, fucking right. <laughs> but he's also, uh, like, he he's the lead he's in, in Antiviral, Brandon Cronenberg. Oh, so. really? Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. He's in, he's in Get Out. He's yeah, Get in... Out, Three Billboards. He's in Heaven Knows What, the Safdie Brothers film before Good Time. Uh, he's oh, in a, a ton of stuff. So uh, and this was sort of his first, one of his first like major like speaking roles like in a film. He was in a bunch of like other kind of like, uh, uh, not cameos, more like extras really at that point and like super bad. Spe- and speaking of roles, like did he come from a time machine? Like, <laughs> I am from the well, 40s. No, I don't know. <laughs> Looking into this guy, just I kind of just get the impression that like he was like a young actor in Hollywood who got onto a bunch of shit, like just right. in the background on a lot of stuff, and kind of worked right. his way up, which is respect. He man, he is so good in almost yeah. everything that he's in. So sorry, continue. But no, I totally agree. He's, he's um, so good. And so the synopsis for this kind of goes like this: uh, After years of performing exorcisms and taking believers' money, Reverend Marcus travels to rural Louisiana with a film crew so he can dispel what he believes in is the myth of demonic possession. The dynamic reverse, sorry, the the <laughs> dynamic Reverend is certain that this will be another routine exorcism on a disturbed religious fanatic, but instead comes upon the blood-soaked farm of the Sweetzer family and a true evil he would have never thought imaginable. Um, so, yeah, I guess for those who haven't seen this film, this is an exor- exorcism film sort of in a found footage documentary type style, almost mockumentary. Mm-hmm. Um I first saw this when it came out in the theater. Um, and I little, remember... Little I think, Kyle saw this? Little Kyle saw this. Yeah, I guess I was kind of young, like 2010. Um, so thinking about when I first saw this, though, I have a very like vivid memory of, for some reason, it was either we were going to watch this or Eat, Pray, Love with Julia Roberts. I don't know, like leading up to going to the theater, we were like discussing it. And then one of, 
one of the people we were with right before we saw the film, he ate a whole weed brownie. I think it might've been the first time he ever had one. And so he oh, was no. just in the theater. Like, I mean, we're watching a movie. We're not talking during the movie. It's whatever. Right. right? Don't, I don't think, I don't think much of it. Uh, so we watched last exorcism, last exorcism. And after the film, we're like, kind of like standing in the parking lot, talking about the movie, like, Oh, like, you know, whatever, you know, debriefing as we used to do back in the, in the good old days. And next thing you know, he just looks at me and he says, I didn't see Julia Roberts once in that movie. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. So that, that is. Talk talk about a movie with also virtually no chill. Like this is not one of those movies that you watch on the fucking brown. He was, he was uh, holding it together though. He said it was such uh, vigor. It was hilarious. I have a a story about this movie too, that I want to quickly share before we move on. And this is normally not something that I would share on the podcast, but most people listening, they'd be like, Oh, what are you talking about? You do this kind of shit every week. But I was uh, divorced during the filming of this. No, (laughs) it's based on, I was, (laughs) I was dating someone at the time and right. uh, we, we were not doing well. Like with that day we were like, I, I was 20 years old when this movie came out, but we, we had already bought tickets to see the last exorcism and it was looking like we're probably going to break up tonight, like that night. And uh, we went to the movie and we didn't talk at all before the movie started. And I was like, this is so awkward. I just want to get this movie over with so we can break up and move on. And we watched the movie and it was, this was at the time where I was still getting scared from movies and I wasn't completely desensitized, but we were both so scared that we didn't break up. <laughs> oh my God. Because we like, you need the protection after dude, it, it actually, it brought, it brought us together. Like it was like, we both knew it was like, <laughs> it's over. It's over after this. And then we got with the movie ended. We're like, Holy fuck. Like, that was awesome. And like, we were both really into it, but scared. Right. And then we get back to my place and it was like, yeah, no, you can stay the night, and and you know, eight 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 years went by, and I kept dating her. Well, there it is. There you go. I just I just want to say, Kyle, in terms of your group's decision making, like options, I feel like it's those weird game shows where they come down to the final prize, and it's somebody who like really relates to the one prize and then doesn't at all to the other one. Do you know what I mean? It's like you're either yes, gonna get like exactly. a, a boat or a new kitchen set. It's That's like, my know, favorite. Something. That's my favorite part about Kyle is there is no logic. There's there's virtually no logic to his decisions, but his decisions yeah. always pay off. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I think I do kind of like to live on uh, on the risky side of things in that regard. Right. I, I guess I will say like beyond the like the <laughs> the e pray love fiasco, I do remember thinking like, all right, like. I remember even thinking then, like, okay, this seems like a movie just trying to, like, get some buzz off Eli Roth's name for some... I don't know why at the time Eli Roth was felt like this mammoth. Uh, uh, he kind of is still to an extent, well, but... Well, dude, Hostel his was, name Hostel was huge. Yeah. Cabin Fever. Like, he was, he was an indie horror gem at the time. I, th- I remember is, at I this... To some people. I remember at this, like, this point in time, they're even kind of just being a little bit of, like, a weird taste in everyone's mouth because it kind of seemed like this was Eli Roth's film, but it wasn't directed by him type thing. That- that's exactly it. When I was yeah. twenty, I thought this was I thought he directed it. And it wasn't yeah. until the, the credits where I was just like, Oh, Eli Roth didn't even direct because I was like, That god damn, that's the best Eli Roth movie I've ever seen. Well, <laughs> exactly. And so that was actually it. I was I remember just being like actually like pleasantly surprised. I kinda went in I don't know why I was so skeptical, but I remember really feeling that way and leaving the theater being like, Holy shit, like that that like really did something different and right. i'm sure we'll get into this we absolutely will maybe later on but i really feel like with this film 
the ending is sort of like a make or break type thing for for a lot of people. Right. Um, for me, it really, really works. And Mate. I actually wasn't sure if it would again because I haven't seen it since I saw it in the theater. And I wanted right. to watch it again for the show. And my taste in movies have changed a lot since 2010. So I don't know. But anyway, yeah, th- that's kind of why I wanted to bring it to the table. Okay. Um, I just want to throw in my, like, I don't have as good of a first time story for this. So, like, I did go see it in theaters. And I remember, I remember it scaring me. So I'll give it that. And I don't think I remember, like, hating it as much. I I think, like, not to get too into it, but I'm okay with the ending. So it is what it is on that front. And I just want to say that I do remember the last time I watched it before rewatching it for this is, like, two summers ago, my AC wasn't working. And it was... Maybe this is longer too. It was when um, Hereditary Hereditary came out. And, yeah, I just wanted to watch Possession movies after for a while. So I, I was in my basement watching it. They're, like... I was so tired of, I didn't want to cook, so I just would, like, order pizza. But, like, it was a good time, and I, I actually, I kind of enjoyed it the last time I watched it, and, yeah. Huh. Yeah, so my stories aren't as exciting. I, I gotta well, say, though, like, you feeling comfort in it is kind of interesting, because, like, the first, like, 20 minutes almost feel like a mockumentary. Like, it is kind of, like, oddly comforting in, like, a comedic way. Does this, yes. like, that is something I do not remember actually very well is like how much this feels like an office spoof for the first like 15 right. minutes and yeah. i think that i think Until that's integral yeah i think that's integral storytelling wise because it, it does kind of boot you into like i don't know how you guys felt about this this movie okay that's kind of what i want to get to yeah okay well i, I want to yeah i want to get into first of all um yeah, I love this movie. I and I still I still really love it. It's just it's one of those movies I've seen so many times at this point where every time I watch it I'm doing it a disservice. But it's because it actually had such a good it had a big impact on me when I first saw it. And then when I watch it at home again, I I really liked it. I own the Blu-ray now and like I've said I've seen it multiple times. Uh, but I think that the movie is made by its ending. I love the ending of this movie. I think it's fucking gnarly and it's memorable. You're never gonna forget. What was the movie where that, like, you, I'm not. I don't want to spoil it in case we do spoilers. But you don't forget an ending like that. It's fucking insane. Right. But the thing it's, that I like, yeah. The thing that I liked about it so much is we even we talked about this when we were discussing Host from last year. Where the good thing about that movie is it cut out all the found footage bullshit of the like building up characters. That's like, it's hard to develop characters in found footage movies without it being so forceful and everything. And it's always like, okay, let's just get past this part so we can get to the spooky shit. But in this movie, I like that, like how we were talking about it, it almost feels like a spoof. It's because like you're feeling like this, it's a, it's a, one of those cliche generic almost overdone tropes in the horror religious horror genre about the priest who's losing his faith but right. it's handled in a really intelligent way like i i, just, I really connected with uh, like i think it's it's funny and then it becomes instantly not funny when uh, the caleb landry jones is that his name yeah i think yeah, so. yeah i think that's his name but when he first shows up it's like i remember just like the the air in the theater gets mm-hmm. sucked directly from the room and everything gets real. And then it's Ashley Bell who takes us to the finish line with a fucking amazing performance. Yeah. I think she is so goddamn good in this role. I also, before we close up today, I want to talk about the sequel because I did see that in the oh, theater. Oh, fuck. Have you, oh, yeah. have you seen it, Boozy? I hate, I remember the opening of it and I was like, I'm in for shit. 
I remember the ending of it the most because the ending is hilarious. But the fact that we have a last a movie called The Last Exorcism right. too. Yeah. <laughs> so the redundancy funny. hurts. But yeah. it's also, dude. Do you know who wrote that movie? Uh-oh. Kyle, no. do you know who wrote that movie? No, tell me. Damien Chazelle. No way. <laughs> yeah, director of fucking Whiplash, La La Land. Oh what? yeah, dude. Yeah, he. That was like one of his first, like, uh, his. I, I believe it was one of his first, like, screenplay gigs. Yep. I mean, whatever. Up, Everybody needs a money gig, you know. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But it's just. Yeah. Oh god, that that movie was so rough though. Oh, but no, we're talking about this movie. I. It is I funny really that, that exists, though. The fact that that exists yeah. is pretty hilarious. And yeah. also, it, it disproves. Like, I remember leaving the theater for this one and being like, man, that Ashley Bell, she's someone who is going to show us. She's going to be a big name someday. She's mm-hmm. going to be huge. And I even remember when we started the terror table, Boozy and I specifically were trying to get her on the show because we really wanted to talk to her. But she actually has a massive following online. But for something that's not even film related, I can't mm-hmm. remember what it was. But... Um, I think she's more so like involved in other things that aren't film right now, which is totally cool. But I thought her performance in this movie was just fucking wicked. Uh, she's could contort herself in really like actual gross ways. Yeah. And oh, that's what totally. made the movie so effective. Like the barn scene and the, the, the scene that kept me up at night was the one where she's on top of the dresser and she's just yep. peeking at them. Like that scared me. It's because like she, she's not your, it's not like you're casting fucking Jessica Beal in this role, you know? Like I think they right. did a really good job with that's casting true, an yeah. actual real person. But also, you guys, what, what what the fuck is with exorcisms on farms? <laughs> like, it's yeah, a great is... setting. You're never gonna have a suburban exorcism because then it's like, oh, everyone went to the neighbor's house. It's, well, yeah, you know The I mean? Exorcist, which is in Washington, but at the same I time, guess. and like yeah. Conjuring too. Yeah, but that I think that's what made The Exorcist. Uh, well, almost everything about The Exorcist is what made it so good and perfect, but. With these types of movies, I think because this movie has that conversation with the audience about is she actually possessed or is it guilt? Right. Yeah. And I think that's one of the oh. most like as far as as far as those that conversation being tackled, I right. can't I can think of few examples better than this movie. And I do think that this movie got unnecessarily hated. And I think a lot of the hate for this movie also came from the fact that it did have Eli Roth's name on top of it. I think you're right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I just want to say to kind of add on what Mitch said is about Ashley Bell. That was kind of a, a point I wanted to hit on and kind of reflecting on our episode, uh, our Emily Rose episode, which one of the biggest problems I had with it is you had, I can't remember the, her, the Emily Rose, who played Emily Rose offhand, the actress, but it's it, uh, it, Jennifer it, Carpenter. Ash- yeah, Ashley Bell fits so much better as that young yeah. kind of, um, what would it be? It, like, endearing would it be character or not endearing but you know you you feel for this character you want you know she's so and, sympathetic yeah and she, exactly that would yeah. be a better and you believe that she's younger where you know i That's i think true. overall she's more likable and i think when she does kick it in high gear she does a better job um i think like mitch said with the the dresser scene she does a great job of being very like animalistic she kicks it into she's high gear. You just said it perfectly. She kicks it into high gear. <laughs> Yo, she goes, she goes, she goes off. She goes she bananas. Goes right off. She yeah. does. And and I love that this movie swerves with it so much. It, it's kind of funny, is it it kind of seems like it's it's over and we're all good. And then it, mm-hmm. it does a it does a very interesting job of bringing you back. I didn't feel like it was a lazy way for it to come back in. No. I totally agree with you, Boozy. And like uh, that is exactly actually why I think the ending works 
It's because mm-hmm. it's not it's not like it's this like jar. Like, it is the ending is jarring to an extent, but the fa- it works in my mind because the movie has already kind of taken these tonal shifts at least once or twice mm-hmm. even throughout the runtime up until that point that it's like it's not um like thematically disturbing or like it doesn't like it doesn't feel like it nothing what is happening doesn't make sense it actually just kind of like adds to like the confusion and like terror of the whole like scenario and and this film is super cryptic in that it shows you everything that that's not like a dead it it tells you and in in like not to reference hereditary again a bunch because we thought we were going to kind of slow down on that but like (laughs) it does the same thing that hereditary does it shows you these these breadcrumbs that you go oh shit after watching this you know well it even it even actually gets away with it easier than that in my opinion, because it does use this documentary style and it allows it to be an easy, like a more digestible viewing experience for exposition dump. It's not like, yeah, it's not like, a, it's totally. not like there's a monologue. There kind of is monologues, I guess, in a way, but there were so, like, as like just, I don't know, fucking humans who exist and watch documentaries throughout right. our whole, whole lives. We're used to that format and it's easy right. to like take it in. And it, it utilizes that in a really, really interesting way. Because I think these feel like real people too. I think that does help. Is they they feel grounded, totally. and it's partially because they like literally spend like probably half an hour of like just making this whole scenario airtight by giving you so much information. And I know that might sound kind of like off-putting, but trust me, it actually it really isn't like during the runtime. I mean, if I haven't made it clear, I actually really, really enjoyed this movie. I was kind of yeah. skeptical, like how I would feel, like. 10 years later, 11 mm-hmm. years later. Um, but I was like pleasantly surprised again, to be honest. <laughs> like it's a I, man, it's a super tight little horror movie. It do you got really, you, it really is. And it's only 87 minutes. We just need I to know make it's that short. <laughs> it's, it's we we are loving film. our shorter films lately. Like, I do want to say, do you guys want to talk a, like spoilers a little bit? Yes, I think we should. I think we should. Yeah. Let's so, just say spoiler warning right here. But like, if you haven't seen it, if it's not clear, we're all fans of this one. Definitely recommend. Um, okay, so now they're in spoiler territory. So clearly this ending is sort of like... In a way, the movie feels like pretty grounded to an extent. Like, mm-hmm. obviously there's some like crazy like uh, animalistic stuff like you were talking about, Boozy, like leading up to the ending. But but with, it's all within reason of like, totally. yeah, a person could probably fucking do that. Well, yeah, it's, I, she's yeah, just breaking mostly. her finger. She's breaking her fingers and bending her back. She's not... No, no, no. Into a exactly. Talking about before, I thought you were talking about more like when she was like on the dresser and stuff. It's like these are yeah. semi-believable things, yeah. like whatever. Well, but even you're right, like breaking your bones, like hey, that's like pretty like intense. But you're right, like not like out the of the brain. Is, the brain is a thing that you can force to do weird shit. Exactly. Oh, yeah. And so we get an ending where there's literally an, an antichrist-like figure come yeah. like get born and then thrown into a fire to reborn the to reborn abalam and it's a li- like even me saying those words out loud sounds so hokey and i mean i guess in a way it's it's a little hokey but i don't know to me to me it works it, it, it really works i'm all here for it man i fucking yeah. like and i think that they totally earned that that payoff because i i will never forget when i was in the while i was in the theater and i was genuinely scared the whole time and then i was like a little fucked up from it and when you know cotton the like the priest he's driving away after they realize that it's like she's just dealing with suppressed guilt it's because she got pregnant by this guy in this diner or whatever and i thought i was like you know what that's something i've always wanted to see in a film where it ends 
where it's realistic and it's like the yeah most she's, she's dealing with guilt. possible but then when the last five minutes is him turning around and then it turning into everything like dude i thought that that was wicked and i thought they pulled it off perfectly and i, I wasn't i, I totally didn't agree. see it coming like i I, rem- I will never forget the shock where i was like holy shit like the the, the scale of that ending is crazy and it's so admirable i just i loved it i just want to say that i love how in this movie i know it's such a serious moment but i found so much hilarity in the base value of when they actually do confront her about that it's not an actual possession is because she says blowing job and I love that it stops all tension, and it, it's like the priest going, like, "You fucking moron!" Yeah, you fucking idiot. Job. Yeah, get all of this guy. Yeah, went from wind blowing to like this sixteen-year-old blowing job. He's like, straighten your fingers out and get out of here, you <laughs> rascal. Yeah, I, I yeah, I love uh, what's the guy who plays Connor? What's his name again? I just said it. It's Patrick Fabian. Fabian. Patrick Fabian. Yeah, he has some really interesting like. Um, energy that is like a mix between like chris hansen and chris uh chris what's his name fuck. he does have chris hansen energy no in a very uh, i wrote way. it down i'm fucking it up fuck where did i put it yes <laughs> energy that is like the guy from fucking the bachelor what's his name oh my god i know who you're talking about the, oh, I can't the his name. chris yeah. harrison he has yes. energy that is chris hansen and chris harrison put together it's really That's exactly exactly what it is it's very unique and like I, i'm really into it and that's what also works too is because he is kind of this like joke right in a way like he he's he's kind of like a shitty guy basically more or less to an extent i mean he's trying to he, he's kind of a, things. he's a hokey roadshow kind of dude in a weird way i, I mean yeah. i guess i don't know i guess in 2012 we would call him an anti-hero but i don't know like in a, in a way you know because of that like you you sort of as a viewer, you're okay for like some shit to happen to him. You know what I mean? I buy, I buy him. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. totally buy him. And and it's kind of the situation he gets himself in. You're kind of on, you're just on the ride for it. Like you're you're there for it. And right. I, I think that's what really works, especially in those like moments where it is him and um, uh, Ashley Bell's character, Nell. Sorry, when they're like you know kind of going at it, I guess, or she's like going full Soul Caliber on him. Like there's <laughs> sort of this like. There is kind of this like <laughs> tug of war type thing that works pretty well. And um, I don't know. Her performance really shines near the end. I think like that is pretty evident if you watch this film. But right. it does it in a way that I guess my own, this would be my only gripe. The only thing that is like apparent watching it is there's kind of like, you know, your jump scares. Like that's like, yeah. there's a lot of like these like timed like uh, sudden moments. Sudden yeah, the moments pacing that, scares. Yeah, and and I think that kind of just sort of uh, makes like the right. the formulaic aspects of the film very visible. But I mean, that's you know, kind of beyond that. I think the film really, really shines. I think those right. are the only things that really hold it back. I think the script is oddly fantastic, and I think the way they executed this is like in a way that is really familiar but unique. And I mean, if you and to me, that's kind of like the fucking best thing you could get right right Want and, and a, a found a found footed a found footage exorcism movie could be awful i remember going into this movie with pretty damn low expectations right 
totally. I just man. I just want to say with like with the Nell character with it, her being a lot more likable than the Emily. I'm not trying to shit on Emily Rose, but it's a good comparison right there because well, they they're super similar. similar. Well, one's a modern classic and one is just a right. little bit better. <laughs> yeah, right. but uh... but what I'm what I'm getting out of it is I think Ashley Bell is an excellent character and likable, which helps with kind of. Uh, maybe writing your way around uh, reasoning for characters to go certain places. I understand that they are filming an exorcism, but there are times where, you know, your character puts themselves in direct danger, and it makes more sense when you have Ashley Bell as a very, like, flip-floppy character that you do kind of enjoy. But yeah, the movie's just fucking nuts. Like, I, I love the, <laughs> the whole, uh, that whole scene of her, like, you know, bending and naming off all that. She does, uh, you count all of the exorcism tropes in that one scene of her in the farm, but it just works yeah. so well. And, and even like, you know, Kyle, you had mentioned that it does have like those jump scare moments and it's formulaic and everything. I'm like, I, I agree, but I also think that that's exactly what this movie set out to do, and it's what the movie is. Like, I, I don't think it's ever trying to be more than it is, and that's one of the things I really like about it, is it's just trying to be an effective, fun horror movie and actually creep people out, and I think that it does that, right. but I know I know what you mean because... You know, I guess so I... much so much of it is so well done that you wouldn't expect these types of, like, jump scares and stuff, but... Well, I think it's not even that, like, I think it's, like trying to be better than it is or something like that. But I just feel like the rest of the film is really successful when it's not doing that as well. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of just like a, a choice that is pretty like like jarring to me when I'm watching it because it's like, damn, like that probably could have got left out or probably could have been done in a different right. way. But I mean, I'm not going to harp on it too much. I mean, that would just be my only thing. Like I, sometimes I feel like I need to make sense of like why this is like a three and a half and not a five. And like, that's right. why it's a three and a half. Do you know totally. what I mean? <laughs> you know what, Kyle? It's okay. Three and a halves can be modern classics. That's totally I, fine and understandable. Right. Boozy, boozy. You look like you were going to say something. Let's, let's keep talking without Kyle. I, I just, <laughs> I just want to say kind of like an ending note from my perspective. Like I'm looking through my notes here and I'm pretty much out is I, I just want to say that as far as, found footage movies go i would shift this into it's it's in the good pile i mean yeah, so, obviously we've talked so much about found footage and where everyone sits with it and i would say that like this is a, a better representation of found footage in terms of the supernatural even if you want to like go really specific i don't know if that scene at the end would have been nearly as powerful if you weren't watching it from a steady cam in the bushes like that's one of the things i loved about it so True. much because yeah. it's like it's actually... you're with them where they're like hey where the fuck are they when they walk into her room and they see all the like pentagrams on the wall it's like oh baby yes. yeah yeah and then but little little did i know that i was about to see if them actually birth a baby and throw it in the fire the son of satan it's so uh... so yeah okay. that's fucking i awesome. live for that shit body Babies snatchers kid falling out of the helicopter or baby yeeted into fire which baby one? yeeted in a fire yeah, hands down sure. yeah oh i also love when the when the when cotton rolls into like he runs into the field to try to like i don't know save her i guess someone yells gate him go gate him but there was nobody around. Did you notice yeah, that nobody, as soon as yeah. the fire started, it just yeah. it was everything was gone. They had to like clear set. <laughs> but it's it's also like a sick geet. Like go gate them. Yeah, you, know, you don't hear yeah. a, you don't hear an audible geet very often. So uh, Kyle, I just want to suggest that Mitch kind of talked to it before. Is don't watch the sequel. Don't think about the sequel. I mean, okay. if you want to look it up, but they fuck they you know what they could have had something. I know that we're we're kind of roasting the title of this. 
and how like you know if they are gonna make a sequel there probably could have been a lot better things they could have done than whatever the fuck that was yeah it's it's ashley bell and then her boyfriend i remember is the the son from unbreakable but he's all right. grown oh. up and he looks the exact same just taller right weird, weird. which I, I'm I, sure I don't know. people there would could, say there... about me there could be a weird, weird way that they could have made it into like a Halloween thing where like it was from a different perspective the same night or some dumb shit. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, or like, well, look at like, honestly, even though like I don't think the second one's very high quality, but it's kind of like 47 meters down where it's like they don't go 48 yeah. meters down in the sequel. It's just another yeah. shark movie. It's like you could have you could have went that route. Like, I think if anything, that just goes to show that they didn't have a lot of faith in the movie actually performing to the they point where it'd be sequels. To, yeah, to I think they're probably just capitalizing off like, hey, remember that title? And hey, like Eli Roth was attached to that, you know? Like, yeah, no, it, that's true. It was, though, I think it was probably just one of those Walmart, like, hey, I didn't know that it was a sequel, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, no, well, I, I, I don't have a lot left, left to say about this one. I, I really enjoy this movie, and I hope people listening have uh they enjoy this movie and if you haven't seen it i i definitely recommend checking it out do you guys have any other last thoughts it's pretty much all i got to say i definitely agree with you although i think uh this is i don't know if i'd consider it a hidden gem but i feel like it's one that people maybe aren't checking back to very frequently and yeah, i think like, we don't, definitely don't let be. this one be forgotten the time yeah yeah absolutely yeah all right well this was fun this was the episode 200 and <laughs> we will be back next week. We got some exciting stuff coming up over the next couple of weeks. You can expect part two of the fantasy Oscars draft to drop on this channel. Hell uh, you can, yeah. you can expect an episode on Sallow or the 120 days of Sodom that has already been recorded that I recorded with my friends, Scott Hamilton and Adrian B. Grand. That's going to be uh, coming up. And uh, we got a bunch of other really fun stuff planned for, for the show. So we Stay have no tuned. intentions of slowing down. But stick around for this uh, this song. Let's, uh, let, let's introduce it, Kyle. This is Observatory by River Slame. There we go. See you guys next time on the Terror Table.